Hi, I'm Jason Wacob, founder and co-CEO of MindBuddyGreen and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a five-star review and comment. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness and make sure to check out all of our great offerings, including our online classes and trainings. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Jason Wacob, founder and CEO of Mind Buddy Green, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the Mind Buddy Green podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome energetic healer, aura reader, and medicine readings guru, Deborah Hanenkamp, known as Mama Medicine, to the Mind Body Green podcast. From the young age of 12, she recognized an ability to see people's energy and read their auras. Her spiritual intuitiveness led her to facilitate what she calls medicine readings, 90-minute ceremonies where she blends ancient knowledge across a variety of traditions. We talk about the realization that led her to fully embrace her gifts, how to find the right healer, and the unexpected wellness topic that she is all about in the new year. Mama Medicine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. So you are a seeress and a healer. Tell us what that means. Well, I use the word seeress because my natural energetic sensitivity comes through through vision so I actually see energy and see auras around people and plants and places are you seeing something around me right now yeah wow (laughs) (laughs) we'll get into that later (laughs) yeah um but I try not to like look too deeply into the colors and shapes that I see around people unless they're asking And so that's how my practice kind of came into being. So how did you know when you had a gift? I thought that everybody saw energy. So I thought it was just a very natural thing when I was 12 and started talking to my friends about the different colors around people and what they meant. And they all started laughing at me like I was crazy. Um, And so that's when I realized that not everybody saw auras and not everybody saw energy. And so I kind of just like didn't talk about it for a really long time. But I did start working with energy and start giving people um, what is now called medicine readings at a very young age, just to have a, a place to channel everything that I was seeing. How young? I started really when I was 17. Wow. Yeah. And at the time, was there even the vernacular of medicine readings or what were you calling it or doing? (laughs) Yeah, it was just um, like it was energy healing, spiritual counseling. And then it it really came to medicine readings many, many years later when I had my daughter and I was like, really what I'm doing is helping people find the medicine within them. So tell me a little bit more about that process for those who haven't had a healing with you. What happens? Well, you come in and uh, we sit together and we talk about anything you're looking to call in or clear out of your life. And I work very much with the present moment. So I'm not the person you want to come to see if you want to know your future. Um, 
we would get into past stuff or even like past life stuff if that is what is important to talk about. But we'll sit together, we'll meditate for a moment, and then I'll read your aura in depth and I'll tell you about what I see coming up. And how do you read someone's aura? Um, it's just like looking deeper into the aura. So like when I look at you, I see color, like I see, you know, you have some violet, you have some yellow, you know, and it's just, it's just how I'm seeing also like you have blue eyes, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, but to look deeper into the auras, to look at like, okay, well, why is the yellow there? And why is the violet there? And like, what do the combinations of these colors mean for you? And then also, if I close my eyes and I sit with you, I start getting different visions about aspects of your life or aspects of your past lives. And when you sit with someone, what, is, what does that entail? Just close my eyes and look at you through like a multidimensional vision. Wow. Yeah. And how long does this whole process take? Um, the talking part and the aura reading part, it takes about mm, a half hour. And then I save the next half hour to do a healing ceremony that cleanses, blesses, and protects the auric field. And what is involved in that ceremony? It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of work with sound and breath and... Uh, scent and just engaging the faculties of the senses so you in a way are participating in your own healing mm -hmm. yeah and most of the people who are coming to you what do they want to address in their lives is there any common themes that you see out of your new york practice you know it's kind of across the board like i i think a lot of people are waking up to feeling like there's more than just, you know, I wake up, I go to work, I come home, I watch TV, and then I go to sleep. Repeat. You know? Yeah. So, like, I think a lot of people are stepping out of the loop, mm -hmm. and they're just curious. Like, they feel like they might be spiritual, or they feel like they might have healing energy of their own. So do you think that everyone does have this healing energy or potential in them to some degree, even if they might not be seeing aura in the same way that you are? Absolutely. So how can someone recognize and tap into that themselves? I think that the the best way is to first look within. Like we're we're all a little bit off balance you mm -hmm. know and so to find the things that we can do for ourselves that can help us to feel more balanced and create more joy for ourselves and be more compassionate to ourselves and then we set the example of balance and compassion and joy to others so then when someone is around us they just feel like a healing presence yeah but then i really feel like we can work as healers on a daily basis basis just by helping a mom carry her stroller up the subway stairs makes such a difference you know? <laughs> or like just saying thank you um you know looking people in the eye like all, all of this is healing work really and what would you say is the relationship in terms of people you know also then just tapping into their own intuition you know is that something that you can help people do more through their practice mm -hmm. is that something people come to you wanting to do mm-hmm yeah, a lot of people come wanting to know how to trust that inner voice more. And what you know? do you tell them? It's very case by case. 
But I think that there is there's personal will, yeah, and then there's divine will. And I think that we are trained and conditioned for many, many centuries to listen to personal will. Mm-hmm. What do I want? What do I need? Yep. You know, okay, that's done. What's next? Right. You know? Check things off the list. Move yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. And then divine will is just listening to, well, there, there's other ways, like try another way. Or, you know, maybe you don't have to go out and, and be in that same loop over and over again. Like maybe today is the day that you stay home. So I think it's listening to the different pings that we get from divine will, which, by the way, when I say that, that word divine what I am referring to is just the love that Mm -hmm. is within all of us and is such an easy energy for all of us to connect to Uh, in in all the years that I've been doing the work that I've been doing I've only met one person who said that they don't love anything you know yeah so you've been doing this since you were 17 Mm -hmm. um and I know you started with a yoga studio mm-hmm. um, before there was even this concept of medicine readings, before spirituality met mainstream. Um, I was really inspired by the interview you did on My Muddy Green about your personal journey. Can you share a little bit about how you got to where you are right now? Yeah. Um, gosh, it's like looking back on it, it's it's hard to not feel a little emotional about the process. but. Basically, because it just happened overnight, right? Yeah. (laughs) Basically, I just I started doing this work, and I really couldn't find anything better. You know, I really couldn't find anything that I loved doing more, and it didn't really matter to me if I was considered like a whack job or like a woo woo. Was that what you got in the early years? Oh yeah, totally, (laughs) totally, and um. It, it it just was like what I had to do. And so I just really stuck with it and stayed very dedicated to it. And it was not in any way like a financial choice or like, I don't know what else I'm going to do with my life. So I guess I'll do this kind of thing. It was like, this is what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And just really, I stayed very steadfast to that. So I also found yoga at the same time. And I... Um, what year about are we in right now? So I started practicing yoga when I was 17, and then um, when I was 24, I opened up a yoga studio and healing center. And the upstairs was the yoga, and I was like, okay, like this is one very important part of helping people find balance and, and healing and inner peace. And I, in a way, looking back, understand that I was hiding a little bit behind yoga. Mm-hmm. And then the downstairs, you know, the like the secret part of it was the healing center. And so it, there was um, rooms for estheticians and um, acupuncture. And then I had my healing practice in one of the rooms. Yeah. And a natural thing started happening where people would come for yoga and they would then want to spend more time with me. And so my healing practice really started to grow then, but it was still like hiding under things, you know, like, and, and also during this time I was traveling back and forth to the Peruvian Amazon and I was, um, doing a whole apprenticeship to learn how to lead ayahuasca ceremonies. So there was a lot of like, is it, is, 
it's who I am this path is it that path is it this path like how can I help people in the most powerful way in this lifetime because this is just what I have to do you know um, but the context of what is now called a medicine reading was already growing and mm-hmm. you know and yeah it, it took a lot of uh, confidence for me to just come into a place of understanding that I just have to be me. Right. And like if I can be comfortable in myself, then I can help people be comfortable in themselves because really like a massive part of healing is self-acceptance and compassion. And so I had to do that myself. And so I couldn't adhere to these different practices and traditions that I deeply love and respect. I had to just connect to what was happening through me more. I, some of the questions I get all the time here at Mind Body Green is just about how do you find the right healer? I've had some life-changing, amazing experiences with healers at very vulnerable times in my life. And then, you know, at other vulnerable times, I've had horrible experiences with maybe healers I didn't know quite well or, you know, weren't the right fit. And there's been this explosion of shamans in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think it's really confusing for a lot of people to navigate. Like, what advice would you give people if they were interested in finding a healer? Yeah, I'm going to throw this out there, okay? Like, I am actually pretty skeptical. Like, I think that's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to the healing, I like, you know, my New Yorker, like, flares up when someone's (laughs) like, I'm a shaman or I'm a healer. There's a lot of them running around Abakini these days. Yeah, Uh yeah. And... um, also, you know, I got into this world and I was so young and I was so open to everything and wanted to try everything. And like anytime someone told me about this healer, I would have to go see them or like, you know, this experience or that experience. And so I met my fair share of like charlatans mm-hmm. along the way. And also like, you know, being a young woman, getting into the world, there were a lot of like creepy old dudes that were... <laughs> There were shamans or healers or, you know, and um, so also like it was a practice to not get like bitter and yep. and close myself off to it because I knew there was something to the healing world. It's just that there's also a lot of people who get into it for like power or money yep. or fame or sex, you yep. know, and um, and I, I think that. It's in, it's interesting with the power part because I think a lot of people feel like they have like these magical abilities, and that that's the thing is like we all have these magical abilities. We're we're so um, we're so far from being fully tapped into our full spectrum of consciousness, and I think as each generation evolves and comes more and more into themselves like our children will probably be so much more conscious and their children will probably be so much more conscious and so it's really more just about the magical abilities being you tapping into your own consciousness and your ability to be aware and present in the moment that you're in rather than in six or seven different places all at the same time like we so easy for us new yorkers (laughs) yeah So I think that like a really big thing with being able to determine if you are working with someone who legitimately is like doing healing work or if you're working with someone who is wanting like acknowledgement or power or 
There's also this thing in sessions where it's like a power struggle between the healer and the client where like the healer has to like prove themselves right or they want like um, affirmation or acknowledgement from the person. And the big thing is that like a a true healer is not going to really want anything from you. Hmm. They're not going to want recognition. They're not going to want you to like invite them places. They're not really going to care where you are in life. Like if you're, you know, a mega celebrity or you're like, you know, a 12-year-old kid who's having a hard time learning how to play the saxophone. You know, they're, <laughs> it's not it's not going to be a difference to them. They're going to meet you as you are. And I also think that they're going to empower you, you right. know, instead of like you have to come see me and I will fix you. Right. It's like, actually, you have all the tools that you need to fix yourself, and let's just unlock the door and find what those are. Right. Like so much of the healers I found, it's like, do you feel better after a treatment? Mm-hmm. You know? Yes or no. Um, and, and relying on intuition, too. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think is so draining, I'd imagine, being in your shoes, is you're using all this energy healing, working with people at their most vulnerable states, how do you replenish yourself and keep your energy high? I I love this question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking it. And we didn't even talk about this one in advance. <laughs> I stay true to myself. That's a really, really big thing. So know? what does that mean for you? So for me, sometimes replenishing my energy is like, getting out in nature and like putting my forehead on the stones that I see and just, you know, breathing in the the energy of nature. And sometimes it's like... Is that why you're out of New York City every weekend? Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. But then sometimes I just am like really tired and don't feel like doing anything. So like the the feeding my own energy is like putting on sweatpants and pouring myself a nice glass of biodynamic wine and watching Outlander and you know like it's just being being true to myself and not being too rigid with any of my practices like I wake up at 5 a.m every morning without an alarm or no with an alarm (laughs) (laughs) also just during the week nice and weekends I sleep in a little bit but that for me is to have my own sacred time to be myself before my day of being there for everyone else begins right so like that's a pretty key thing and my practice in the morning is usually like meditation movement um drinking tea or drinking coffee and then I, my daughter will wake up, I'll make her breakfast, I'll get her dressed for her day, and then I'll start my day of medicine readings. But to have that time to myself is pretty key. And what time too. do you go to bed at night? Sometimes like 8 p.m. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and your daughter does too, so that's yeah. great. Yeah. You guys are on a good schedule. And what role does yoga play in your life and your personal practice now? I really realized when I closed my yoga studio that what I wanted was to have the yoga practice for myself really and so I completely stopped teaching yoga at all and just started practicing for myself so for me 
yoga is just the way where I like check in. Where am I holding stuff in my body? You know, if I have had a week of really intense clients and I feel a little drained, I'll look at like, okay, where where am I actually hanging on to that? Where is that manifesting physically? And how can I move it out of myself? Right. Mm -hmm. And do you do it at home or studio these days or? Just at home. Um, One of the things that's written about you so much is that you become the healer to the fashion world. Yeah. How did that happen? I really, I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know. It's so interesting. I think, well, you know, it's New York City. Yep. And my space is in Soho. So I think that there's a lot there. And also um, a writer from Vogue started coming very early on when medicine readings had just started being called medicine readings. And she felt like people would really get a lot out of knowing more about it. And so she sent a writer actually from the beauty department of Vogue to come see me. And it was a massively transformational experience for her. So she wrote about it. And I think that may have something to do with it. But I also think it's just being in New York, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot lot of folks in fashion here. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the role of aura in your readings. What about the role of bath? Yeah. So again, like we're all familiar with love as a connection to divine will. We're all familiar with bath and that can be a way to be our own healer, you know, a massively powerful way to be our own healer. And maybe in New York City, we don't all have a bathtub, but we can at least do a foot bath and we're all connected to the energy of water. Like really what I might want you to do in that like woo world is like go dance naked around a fire or something (laughs) like that. But I know that that's asking a lot of people. (laughs) So there's the bath, you know, and, um, It's interesting because if you look in your kitchen, you probably have all the tools you need to make a really powerful ritual bath. Tell me what they are. Like you can use a cinnamon stick, burn it, and use it as a smudge to cleanse your auric field. You can make a tea with your rosemary and put that in the bath, and that's very powerfully protective for your aura and very cleansing and also very mothering. Yeah. And then... um, the salt salt is really important for Epsom salts even even if you just have table salt really yeah just put in some sea salt in the bath yeah wow okay yeah I think everyone has that lying around yeah and is there any other you know ideal ways to do it I don't want to say guidelines because that sounds very rigid for a ritual of a bath but like is there a certain amount of time you know do you recommend monthly weekly I like the idea Daily. of once a week at the end of your week to ritualistically begin your two consecutive days off if you allow yourself two consecutive days off. Do you allow yourself two consecutive days off? I, I do now. Good. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm not this week, actually. It's not totally <laughs> true, but I try to, you know, I try to really stick with that. But 20 minutes in the bath, at least, I would say, and try to shut off the overhead lights and use candles. Like, not you don't need things to be so bright. Right. When you're in the bath, focus on your breathing. You know, don't bring your phone into the bath with you. 
Like it's not the time to check emails. Just just close your eyes and breathe and feel the energy of the water. And then you have a really powerful ritual. And what is it about the energy of the water that's so healing and replenishing? Well, water teaches us receptivity. Okay. You know, if you think about bodies of water, they're always wide open. Yep. You know? And the water is also, it's so open, it's so receptive, yet it is the most powerful energy. Like, it can smooth away stone, it can put out fire. Right. So should we all be spending more time near water, in water, you know, aside from our 20-minute baths? Yeah, definitely. If you can, getting to um, fresh sources of running, like rivers and waterfalls, like that that's very, very cleansing to just listen to yeah. a river and everything it's singing about and everything it has to say. It's very, very good for us. So at our, our last supper series, we talked a lot about the topic of financial wellness. Mm-hmm. What advice for those who weren't there would you give to someone who's looking to tune into that a little bit more? The big thing is be happy with what you have. So much easier said than done. Yeah. yeah. It's such it's such an interesting practice, but I really feel like right now we're facing a gratitude crisis, mm-hmm. you know? There's so many opportunities to compare ourselves to others. Especially in the city we live in. Especially in the city we live in. There's so many opportunities to feel like you're not enough, like you don't have enough. And, you know, even in, in the healing world, you know, it's like, oh, if I do this training, then I'll be enough or I do that. It's like, no, you already, you have all the tools within you. So I think financial well-being is just as important as physical well-being as spiritual well-being but again it all leads back to you you already have it all within you you already are enough like you don't you don't need as much as you think you do right yeah what excites you about the wellness world right now well this topic of financial well-being i think is really powerful um it's been really taboo in wellness for a long time it's been so taboo and i i do think like people who devote their lives to wellness have a tendency to not actually want to look at money at all. And this is myself included, I think up until a couple years ago. And that can be actually like a really powerful source of um, self-destruction in a way. Hmm, Tell me more about that. Well, if you're not being conscious with how you're spending your money or where your money is coming from and this kind of thing, then you are, your money is just an energy, right? So you can be playing with dark energy a little bit, you know? What makes you upset about the state of wellness right now? Hmm. I think that spiritual materialism is a really interesting thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Like to that wellness has like a particular look. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, like, f- for me personally, with what I wear, how I dress, I try to like change it up all the time to not pigeonhole myself into that sure. like, look. You yeah. know? Yeah. I think that, that that's an interesting thing. Um, what gets you excited when you wake up in the morning? Definitely spending time with my family. They're, they're really, really fun. And how has becoming a mother influenced your healings and your readings or not? Well, giving birth was 
a really it was like the most powerful ceremony I ever went through. You Did know? you treat it as a ceremony? Yeah, definitely. That's I, a good mindset. So yeah. tell me more about it. Yeah, so I felt like the end of the pregnancy, I was going into like a very ceremonial state similar to how I would feel after spending about 10 days in the Amazon jungle open to the elements, fasting and and in isolation. And uh, the leading up to it, like just just feeling so so much and then during my daughter's birth we did a home birth all of the lights went out in the house when my husband went to fill up the tub was there a storm or anything no it was like a the birthing tub you know yeah yeah so all of the lights went out in the house and so did you guys have anyone else there was just you and your husband and and our really close friend who was my doula nice and my midwife was at a different birth. <laughs> she had a conflict. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't really schedule these things. <laughs> totally. So all the lights went out and all the sound shut off and the whole house got really quiet. And then we lit a bunch of candles. And then right when I was actually giving birth to her, um, my midwife finally showed up and I remember like holding her after and thinking, wow, my body, like really, really feeling my body. Wow, my body is amazing. I can't believe that I created this life. I can't believe that I was able to do this. This is unbelievable. Like this is such a miracle. And I really feel like in that experience of birth and, you know, being a new mom, I felt the most confident I had, I don't, I don't actually think I ever truly felt confident actually up until that point. Yeah. And so being a mother gave me confidence in myself as a human, in my body, like, wow, my body can give birth and then heal. (laughs) You can go through that and then it fixes itself, Yeah. you know? And, um, that shifted my work so much. So it was like after, that wave of confidence that came through from being a new mom, I was like, okay, what I need to do to really help people is just be myself. And that's actually also at the same time that medicine readings were born. So it was like two babies at once. <laughs> two babies, two very important rituals yeah. all come into life at the same time. Yeah. And what advice would you give your 20-something self? It doesn't have to be so hard. <laughs> agree (laughs) it doesn't have to be so hard um yeah I think for me a, a really big thing in my early life was taking on relationships where I would be the healer so like friendships, mm-hmm. but also like romantic relationships where either the person needed like a mom or needed just needed help in life. And so I would, through empathy, want to help them and fix them. And so one relationship lasted actually like six years and I was totally the guy's mom. Like he didn't have a job and I was, I, that was when I had my yoga studio and healing center and like I, I would also tell myself like you you don't need to be doing that right yeah it all has its purpose and I'm grateful for all of it but also don't need to like be taking care of grown-ups 
Well, trying to have more ease was my mantra for 2018. So、oh. I very much relate with what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much for joining us today. It was yeah. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you.